black thing go from left to right, and I thought, I'm going to die out here. No one's ever going to know. I couldn't believe what my eyeballs were showing me. I'll never forget how evil the eyes were. It was horrible. I mean, I've never seen nothing that evil. It ran towards me at a, at a rate that I, I, I can't even explain. Turned and stared at me. And this look of, I just want to kill you. I want to say it was human, but it wasn't. He was, he, was, he was yelling at me to grab a gun, grab a gun. I was like, for what? He said, just grab a gun. And there's footprints all the way to the door of my house. It had went inside my garage all the way to the door. 
um, that my uncle had found. I don't know, an acquaintance of some kind. Um, I don't know if he worked with him or, or what, but anyway, it was a, a house at the bottom of a hill. If you can imagine a valley uh, in Illinois, which is flat as a pancake, but at this particular spot, there was actually a little hill, and uh, the house was right at the bottom of it. So and it was the only house, uh, you know, not the only, there were three houses on that road at the time. Mine was in the center. And the uh, first house was kind of up on a bluff where there was a creek that ran along the edge of my property all the way to the back. It actually joined a bigger creek off in the woods where I had a lot of fun. And then another house up at the end of the road. Um, I remember we first viewed the house. Um, the landlord was there. He was in the driveway. We got out. He opened the door for us so we could go in and look through the, uh, through the house. He grabbed a weed eater and fired it up and started knocking down weeds because they were going up pretty high. We went through the house. All the furniture was still in there. Uh, turns out uh, it was his mother's. Um, she had passed away, and I don't know how long it had stood empty, but it had stood empty for a while anyway. I have no idea how long. But everything was still in place. Uh, all the beds, chairs, you know, blankets, even over the backs of the couches, all that stuff, really old furniture. House was not huge, but some of the rooms were big. Had uh, three bedrooms. One of them was basically a closet. One of them was huge. It was just about the size of a living room. And then, you know, one of them was a medium. So it had an attached bathroom. And that's the bathroom uh, or, or the bedroom that uh, my parents actually decided to take because of the bathroom. I ended up with the really, really big bedroom, which was, oh, I don't know, 19 by 22, maybe. It was a good size room. So... You know, I was ecstatic, you know, I got the biggest room in the house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so uh, we move in. I don't know. We were staying in my grandma's apartment. She had an apartment in her basement. We were staying there while he got the house ready or moved his stuff out. I don't know. We were there another week or two before we actually moved in. So I took my bedroom, you know, I was setting up furniture and hanging pictures and getting everything, you know, ready to live in. And, uh, yard was about three quarters of an acre on a gradual hill that kind of went down to the back of the property. Um, it cut across the back eventually. So anyway, uh, and, oh, and then it was woods on the other side of the house, like maybe five feet from, from the edge of the house itself is where the wood line started. So it was like right there. I always like to sleep with an open window above my head. So I put a bed, there were two windows. So I put my bed underneath uh, one of the windows where the woods were so that I could see the trees and da 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 da. So uh, anyway, so that's how that was going. And I uh, hang a picture of my brother um, on the wall next to my bed and, you know, set everything up and there it is. So I go out and kick around the yard and kick around the woods and start running my way around and come back later that evening. And my brother's picture is on the floor. And the nail is on the floor also. And I was the last word. So I grabbed it, stick it on into sheet rock. So I just stuck the nail back in the hole and hung the picture back up and didn't think anything of it. Just let it go from there. So anyway, I'm pacing. <laughs> right, right, calm down, Michael. Yeah take, <laughs> yeah, take your time, Mike. Take your time. I know this was... Uh, a hell of a experience. Most people, well, actually, I think a lot of 
a lot more people experience this sort of thing than they're willing to talk about. But take your time, man. Take your time. You know, and as I'm going through this in my head, and you see this kind of stuff in movies, and and it's kind of interesting how they'll take real life experience and put it in the movies. I mean, that's that's what happens. These are the kind of things that happen. So that's naturally what they write stories about. Yeah. But anyway, um, moving on. Um, so the picture, it wouldn't stay on the wall. Okay. Um, I, if I'd leave the house, uh, not necessarily if I stayed in the house, it was fine. But if I left the house for any period of time at all and then came back, the picture would end up on the floor along with nail. So, okay, that's weird. So at one point, I took the nail and I stuck it in the hole and I stood there and I watched it come right back out of the wall and fall on the ground at my feet. And I'm thinking, what? Maybe it's insulation. Maybe it's the insulation behind the wall pushing it out. So I just took the picture and, and popped out the little stand and put it on my nightstand and, and I never hung it up again. But what bugged me about it was I knew there was five eighths of an inch in there that that the insulation couldn't penetrate the sheetrock. So what was pushing the nail all the way out? I, I had no idea. So whatever, I didn't want the picture to shatter. I put it on my ice hand and there it is. So later I'd come back from the house or back up into the house or whatever. And my nightstand drawer would be pulled open. So not, you know, like open, open all the way, but just a few inches open as if somebody didn't close it all the way. So, you know, I asked my mom, hey, you've been in my nightstand. Not that I cared, but she's like, no, I would never do that. And she wouldn't. We're not that kind of people. So, okay, push the door shut and and move on. So also my alarm clock, um, it was, it was, this was an old style, you know, like radio clock radio with the, the old flashing LEDs. Remember those? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that old. <laughs> so... Anyway, and it would reset itself as if it had been unplugged, as if it lost power. It would go back to midnight, and that would reset the alarm clock to midnight. And So the, the alarm clock would be flashing at random points, and, and you just never knew when that was going to happen. So, okay, that's weird, but, but that could be bad wiring, right? I mean, um, that's what I came up with. It had yeah. to be the outlet. Makes sense. And, and then later, uh, there were some issues with a, with a lamp that was plugged in the same so And it still could have been you know, a bad outlet because there was issues with the clock and issues with the lamp. But I don't know, maybe, maybe not. When you hear the rest of the story, you'll understand. <laughs> so, okay. So those little things were kind of going on here and there as, as summer went on. We moved in, it was spring. Um, you know, they waited for me to get out of school uh, in Vegas before I came back. So I had all summer and then, uh, of course, it had gotten, oh, I don't think there was any snow, but <clears throat> it had already started getting cold before it all ended. So anyway, um, where am I at? The long clock. All right. Well, man, this is where it starts getting weird. So I'll be laying in bed. And you know that zone where you're just about to go to sleep? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it always knew when I was at that point. And this thing had a pocket full of tricks that it would reach in his pocket and, and pull one out randomly. But it, it wasn't, I don't know, it always seemed to be the same sort of thing over and over, just in different, a different order. 
And then every now and then she would, I say she, I'll tell you why later, um, she would throw in something different as if maybe she was building up energy, getting ready for it. But so anyway, okay, so I'm laying in bed and I start hearing scratching on my headboard. And, uh, you know, I'm like, well, what the heck? So, uh, you know, the scratching was, I, I can't really describe. I mean, I guess it was without a doubt fingernails of some kind. Um, and, you know, it wasn't like a, a mouse chewing a hole or, or moving around in the wall. or I mean, this was actual scratching on my headboard. And it was, you know, it would be intermittent. It would scratch once enough to get my attention. And then when, when I wasn't paying attention anymore, it would start doing it again. And it really scared me. I was getting really scared over it. And I slept on the couch. You know, I just didn't want to. <laughs> if something was wrong, I could feel it. So I slept on the couch. And it didn't happen every night. But often enough, it did, say, two or three times a week, it started scratching on my headboard. And it really got aggressive at some points. You know, where it was just scratch across from one side to the next. And it's like, my God. So, and I started getting frustrated. I was tired of sleeping on the couch and I'm like, okay, I'm going to find out what this is. So I, you know, get up on my knees at the top of my bed and I reach down there and I'm feeling all around, you know, and there's just nothing, there's nothing to miss and there's nothing to cause it. But what happened was while I'm down there feeling around, trying to figure out what's making this noise, it started going. And I could feel the scratching in the wood. Not, not, not that it was leaving marks or anything like that, but I could feel the vibration, you know, uh, you, you put your hand next to some action, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you can feel it vibrate through the wood. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's weird. I slept on the couch. <laughs> really, really weird. So, okay. So that's going on. Then in the middle of all this going on, I'd wake up and my blanket would be all around my feet and I'd be completely uncovered. So blanket or comforter, whatever. So, you know, I'd reach down, I'd grab it and pull it back up and I'd wake up later and kind of cold and sure enough, the blanket would be around my feet. And I'm like, well, okay, that's weird too. <laughs> so, and I'm thinking, well, maybe there's enough of it hanging off the bottom of the bed that, you know, gravity's pulling it down with me rolling around or, or whatever. And, and maybe that's what's happening. I'm kicking it off myself. Makes so, sense. you know, I, right. And, you know, that's what I was thinking too. So, uh, I pull it up, you know, and move on. Well, then it started getting more aggressive. So I pull it up <laughs> and it would start working its way back down before I went back to sleep. So I could feel this thing pulling tight on my feet as it, you know, kind of went around the, or down the curve of the bed. I would feel tension on the blanket and it would start pulling down as if something was under the bed yanking on it. So, okay, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. Not to the point that I, you know, ran from it. I was getting frustrated but at this point. I'm, I'm kind of a stubborn guy. Um, so this went on. We got the scratching going on. And then I would feel, and just occasionally, but I would feel somebody sit down on my bed the unmistakable pull of the sheet and, and the comforter and, and the weight of somebody said so is absolutely unmistakable, but there's nobody there. So, you know, I feel this and I'd reach over and I hit the light and I'd look 
you know, this is, it was at the foot of my bed or it was on the side of my bed and there would be no indention or anything like that. You know, it, it just looked normal, but nonetheless, I know what I felt. So, all right, I'll be honest. I slept on the couch and that one was freaking me out because it was only too obvious. Somebody sat down on my bed. <laughs> so anyway, so that's going on. The scratching is continuing while, uh, you know, on occasion, somebody would sit down on my bed and, uh, and then, okay, the lamp. Um, like I said, I, it could be wiring, but uh, I'm laying in bed reading a book. I read a book a lot. So I'm laying there reading. And I don't know if you've ever watched a light bulb blow out. Um, they get really bright and then they go out. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened. It's just, I'm like, oh, great. So, okay, I get up, I kick the overhead light on, I go over to the lamp, <laughs> I take the bulb out, you know, shake it, and it doesn't sound like there's a, an element in there that's rattling around. So I'm like, well, what the heck? I put it back in the lamp, nothing. I flip the switch off, flip the switch back on, the light bulb comes on. I'm like, all right, well, maybe it was just loose. We'll move on from there. Well, that continued to happen too. So alarm clock, lamp, drawer i i still frequently would come home and the dresser or uh nightstand drawer would be you know open just a smidge lights would be flashing on the clock it always seemed to be the same time whenever that happened um and, and now the lamp's turning on and off and i got people sitting on my bed and pulling my blanket <laughs> so okay let me bump it up a little bit i put up with this stuff for i don't know a little while you know maybe 10 days at one point, I feel the tugging on my blanket again, and I'm really mad about it because, you know, I just don't want to be, I'm starting to feel like a chicken, okay? And so I grab it, and I give it a good yank, you know, as if they're just rip it out of somebody's hands. And, man, it ripped it back. <laughs> and my blanket went oh, flying no across kidding. the room. Oh yeah. And I just freaked out. I jumped out of bed. You know, I turned on the bedroom light on the way out and it's up on the couch. So, um, quite obviously at this point, I knew that I was, I was facing something that, that was after me. Okay. Now I told my parents about it, <clears throat> you know, cause obviously I'm sleeping on the couch every other night. You now what's going on. So, you know, my mom's, concerned my dad actually slept in there but he worked graveyard shifts so he slept during the day so he would go in there and sleep sometimes you know during the day um and i'd still be home you know he'd just be in there sleeping and i don't know it, nothing ever happened with him he'd, he'd come out of there and say oh it was fine and I'm like, well of course it was <laughs> so anyway all right so my grandpa bought me a phone, uh, and this is, you know, this is 1984. It was the first touchstone phone in the house, okay, and, and it was mine. I got it, so, you know, I plugged it in and, and put it on my desk, and, boy, I was happy, man. <laughs> I thought it was hot shit. I had a touchstone phone and a clock radio, and it was high tech. I even had a Commodore 64 of all things. But anyway, <laughs> I'm with you, man. With you know, you. I, I was on top of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so the phone, and it didn't happen right away, but you know, within a few days, it, it decided, and I don't know how this 
came about, but it decided it was going to play around with that song. So, and it had this kind of chirpy sort of ring. I don't know. It's, you know, how they were back in the day when technology was advancing. Yeah, I do remember so, that anyway. where you could page the phone and it would make that real weird, almost like an alarm sound. Uh, you know, I don't know about paging it. I mean, it was just a, a, a you know, a plastic. It had one dial tone. It had one, or not dial tone, but it had one ringtone, you know, and it was kind of a chirpy sort of sound. It was the best they could come up with because there was no bell anymore in this handset thing. But anyway, so, and it would start making this noise. And it wasn't exactly a ring. It was more like a chirp. I always called it chirping because it was as if somebody was straining to make noise out of this phone and they could only get so far before they, you know, uh, imagine if you were squeezing it, if you squeezed it hard enough, it would make a chirp, but your hand could only take so much, that sort of thing. So, and it would chirp, and even occasionally it would, it would almost be a complete ring. You know, it was just, it was almost there. So, and I'd pick it up and there'd be no dial phone. It would just be a deadline. But I can still hear, you know, if you blow in the receiver, you can hear it through the ear. So I can still have that, but no dial tone. So I'd hang up the phone and take it back up and there'd be a dial tone. So, okay, that's really weird too. Okay. Um, I'm getting up to it. <laughs> so anyway, I guess it's probably getting ballish now and uh let's see yeah the, the blanket had already come off and i was finding warm spots in bed with me as if yeah uh, you know i'd get the feeling like you know it'd be warm when you roll over and anyway instead of being like, cold sheets it was like someone like was somebody laying, been there. laying there or sitting yeah. there or that sort of thing yeah right in bed with me you know and and that was unnerving but uh, it didn't scare me out or anything like that. It just, uh, you know, maybe, well, that was really weird. So anyway, so, you know, I'd be doing the phone thing and it, it, it didn't wait for me to be in bed. The phone would start chirping. If I was just hanging out of the room, it would just randomly start going off on its own. And one time I actually did, I didn't uh, go in there for like two days after this. <laughs> But I got so frustrated with the phone situation that I walked over there and I unplugged and <laughs> sat back down and started doing my homework again. And sure enough, it starts chirping again. And I'm like, okay, that can't happen. And I'm out. So I grabbed everything and did my homework on the kitchen table and I slept on the couch. So, <laughs> yeah. so anyway, you. all right. You know, and all of this stuff is still going on to, to varying degrees all at the same time. Okay. It would be, uh, you know, scratching on my headboard, which was so unnerving. And at the same time, after, you know, the little scratching stopped, it hasn't gone for 10 minutes. And then the phone would start chirping, you know, or I'd feel the blanket tug or it, it was, it was like doing combinations, you know, just so, driving you crazy. Just, and that's exactly what I think it was doing was just trying to drive me out of there. So, and a lot of times it worked. Um, anyway, it got to where this is really creepy and it's only happened a couple of times and then it really exploded, but I'd wake up like somebody had blown in my ear. 
you know, that, you know, yeah. when somebody blows in your ear, I, it would wake me up and, and it was, and you could just hear the breath as it was like an exhale, but then that would be it. And it would be dead silence and so eerie quiet in that room all the time. It was just weird sound like traveled around strangely. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that happened and that happened more than once. That was maybe two or three times, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, then this is where it all kind of boils over. I wake up, it's sun's out. I wake up and I'm in midair and my bed beneath me is bouncing up and down off of its frame and throwing me into the air like a double jump on a trampoline. It would be on its way up when I was on it and I'd hit it and I'd bounce even higher and I was turning trying to stop it and I ended up on all fours and it's still going and it's hurting my wrist and it's hurting my elbows because it's kicking up so hard beneath me that it's actually, you know, hurting me. And I'm screaming for my mom, you know, you know, mom, mom, and just, I just totally freaked out. And she opens the, throws open the bedroom door. What, what? And it stopped right then. The bed comes down, which she apparently didn't see, but the bed comes down and it stops moving, but it is off its frame and twisted a little bit at this point. And I'm just dripping in sweat, scared to death. And that was it, man. I couldn't, I'm like, I can't anymore. I'm just done. And then it occurred to me. So it was later that day. And I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I was thinking about when we first looked at the house and I know this old woman died. And when we looked in that room, her bed was exactly where I put mine. And I'm like, huh, you know, and, and I'm like, okay, this is worth a try anyway. I mean, what if she died in the house and what if I'm actually sleeping with her spirit, you know? Yeah. So, okay. I can see now why she's mad. There's a strange man in bed with her. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I move my desk. I move my bed over beneath the other window in the house, which actually faces the backyard and it stopped. So, uh, my desk was still over there. So I moved it. The phone was still doing its thing. In fact, it was after I moved my bed. It was actually after I moved my bed that the phone did the whole, I unplugged it and decided to ring anyway. So what I did, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to beat this thing is I moved the phone jack off that wall and routed the rerouted the wire through my closet and put it next to the hung it actually on the wall instead of my desk um, in between the closet and the door to the bedroom. And then it stopped. No noise at all. So I'm like, okay, I've got this thing. And whatever was left, uh, you know, my nightstand table, my bean bag, uh, whatever was left, I just cleaned it out. There was nothing left on that wall. It was completely there. There was no furniture, nothing. So anyway, and it was peaceful. And I'm like, okay, I'm all right now. And, and several days went by, maybe even a, a week. And I thought that I was okay with, with, I thought I figured out what the issue was. 
And I'm okay with living with a ghost. It wouldn't be the first time, okay? But I wasn't okay with living with an angry ghost. So, but it seemed like by me doing that, she was okay with, with where I was, and I was okay with where she, and we decided just to let it go. So it, it seemed like it was that sort of thing. So, all right. There was one more thing that that house had to give me before we moved. <laughs> And uh, I think we're about up to it now. So, uh, man, I'm laying there in bed. It's late. And uh, my dad's actually home. He's in bed with my mom. So, you know, uh, I'm still a kid. I feel better when dad's in the house. So I just had nothing left to worry about. There's nothing on that wall. It had been peaceful. And... It was getting to be winter time. Uh, the moon was bright. I could see the trees of the, of the woods outside, you know, my window there. And, and uh, the woods weren't super thick, but, but uh, so I could see in there a little ways. It was pretty bright. So anyway, and I'm laying there. I got my lamp turned on. And yeah, there was this thunderous smash boom against that house, right against that wall. And I came up, I dropped everything. I came up and my first thought was a tree fell and hit the, hit the roof. Uh, so the very first thing I did was look up to make sure that the roof wasn't collapsing on my head. It was, it was loud enough. And, and I mean, it shook the window above my head. It was ridiculously loud. And so, okay, I look up and the, there's no tree coming through or anything. I looked at the wall where the noise centered and that's when I noticed something white in the window. So I went that direction with my eyes and I'm looking at it. And it was a dog. And it was standing there, I'm assuming, looking down at me, right at me through the, the window. And it's got his nose pressed against the glass. And not the tip of his nose, but like the top of his nose. So his head's like pointed down and he's got this big toothy grin looking at me. And that was what I noticed that was out of place. It was white. And that's what caught my attention. When I first looked was this, this grin and he was looking right at me. And, uh, uh, we, we, I, we stared at each other for a few moments, uh, not very long. But, uh, and then it moved and it was weird. It didn't turn its head first or anything. It just sort of went to the, uh, I guess it would be toward my, his left, my right. And, you know, it just moved away from the window. It didn't look like it took a step or it was like, it was just a frozen image. Oh, it, yeah. It, anyway, while I was looking at it, the, the green got, bigger he smiled at me or threatened me or something to that effect his eyes were i mean we were locked this thing was thirsty is the best way i can describe it it was absolutely it wanted me so bad and i was just scared to death you know uh yeah, I've got a hold of my blanket and fist, and there's just no way I can move. And 
Anyway, after a few moments of staring right at this thing in its face, it just sort of moved away. And uh, where his nose had made contact on the glass, it made that, that funky noise that when you move your finger across a steamy mirror, kind of made that noise as it moved away. And that's when I realized that it's heading for the window right above my head, the open window right above my head, because I always sleep in an open window in my bedroom. And, uh, you know, I jumped out of bed and threw open the door and I just headed straight for the living room couch. I grabbed the blanket, the blanket and pillow out there because mom kept him out there because <laughs> she never knew when I was going to end up out there. Yeah. And, you know, I dove on the couch and under the blanket, you know, I'm 14 and I must acting like a six year old, you know, hiding under the blanket. I was so nervous too, because there's this great big picture window in the living room. And I'm like, my God, this thing is going to get me through this. You know, so I didn't come out from under that blanket. I fell asleep under there. Uh, that was the last experience I had in that house. And uh, it was by far the scariest of all of it. And bouncing off my bed, I thought was the end of it after I moved everything. But it wasn't. There was one more thing that they had to give me. And, and that was it. So, yeah, I'm curious. You know, yeah. it's interesting, Mike. You know, a lot of times when people talk about uh, this dog man, one thing, one recurring, and I've never seen a dog man, but one one thing a lot of witnesses will say is, and it's it's so consistent, it's almost um, disturbing. But one thing a lot of witnesses will say is they'll say it was evil. They don't necessarily oh say that God. about Sasquatch. They don't necessarily say that about uh, just about anything else. But when it comes to the dog man, everyone says it's evil. I hear that constantly. It's the one thing you'll always hear a witness say, that thing was evil. Whatever that thing was is evil. Um, and the way it smiled at you, um, how far up was your window, by the way? Yeah, okay. It. These weren't – this was – my bedroom was an addition. Uh, it wasn't part of the original house. That's why it stuck out on its own with three walls to the outside. But – they were about chest height and they were two pane windows, you know, uh, and then kind of wider than they are tall. So where he, I'll put it to you this way. When I'm outside looking in that window, I have to stand on my tippy toes and grab the windowsill and I can look over and see the floor. I mean, you can look up and see the ceiling easily enough. Now I'm five, nine at the time. Okay, so this thing was looking down at me through the upper pane of that window from the outside. So my guess is it's got to be around seven feet, you know, at least seven feet, maybe seven and a half. So and there was, you know, there was the wood line right there. It was more or less a drainage dish down that side of the house. There was no grass or anything, just river rock. And uh no, I didn't see any footprints. In fact, I kind of avoided the area. <laughs> I never really went back over there again. Um, I know I wrote you an email, a uh, much better description than what I gave you. If you'd like, I, I'll run you through that real quick, as much as it's bugging me. So uh, it had amazing teeth. If you can imagine a mouthful of nothing but canines, that's all it had. <laughs> there were no molars of any kind. And they were easily an inch and a half long, all of them, maybe, maybe more. And 
its mouth was its head in general was larger than your standard dog okay um but i want to give it the shape of a german shepherd because i had a shepherd for years and sometimes he'd look at me and he looked a lot like the thing in the window I and mean, it was kind of unnerving i'd be looking at his eyes they had the same color eyes they were you know yellow dog eyes and uh, he'd look at me sometimes with this look with his brow drawn you know or or he'd give a nice big yawn when a dog yawns and he pulls his mouth back you know all the way it would remind me of the dog in the window and looked just like that he had no hair skin was black there's no hair at all his ears were pointing straight back but i could only really see a silhouette of his ears against the the light in the forest behind me or behind it and then the front part of his face the part that was up against the glass was being illuminated i guess from my bedroom so it was my lamplight that was shining on his face his eyes weren't glowing per se but there was and uh, there was enough light I could see they were yellow and that he was looking right at me, you know, and he, I don't know how long he'd been standing there before he decided to get my attention. But this thing was just sinister. I, I saw nothing but hate. There was nothing there but hate. And again, the best word I can come up with is just dying of thirst. It just looked thirsty. And... Yeah, I didn't I didn't hang around long enough for it to. Uh, it, I heard it hit, so I know it came to the window above my head because I know it. I heard it come up against the wall. I heard it, you know, bam. Um, you know, I'm guessing one for each hand because because you know it, it kind of sounded that way as if he ran up to the window and put one on each side of the window and you know just stuck his head down and I was already gone. I was in the hallway by then, <laughs> so. And that freaked me out really bad, man. I did not go in there for I don't know how long. I just moved out into the living room and I left that room alone. So, I don't know, a couple of weeks before I decided to go back in there. And the first thing I did was close the curtains. I never opened them again. We moved the following spring and and uh, all was well. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for drawing the curtains, you know, especially when you see this thing. Um, and one of the things you said in there that I thought was interesting is it smiling at you, kind of a sinister smile. Um, and you hear that a lot with these encounters with these things. People will describe them, you know, I guess my dog smiles, but not the way people describe it when they run into this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's no, completely no, different. it was a deliberate grin. It wasn't accidental at all. It was a deliberate grin. And it, it's as if when it noticed that I noticed it, it was even more pleased about it because the grin got bigger, you know? If, uh, if he wanted my attention. He wanted me to know that he was standing there looking at me. I can't, I don't know where all this, I mean, the emotions were flying through me so quickly. So this whole thing from the bang to the, to where he moved away, it maybe lasted 10 seconds, you know, from beginning to end. And I've heard, you know, I've heard your shows uh, plenty and others as well. And the dog man just fits this. You know, I always thought it was part of the haunting, but, but this thing that I saw in my window was, it, it's, it sounds exactly like what a lot of people are saying, just like you said. 
I don't know what to think about the dog man. I think um, what's interesting about the dog man is as many witnesses I've t- as I've talked to that have run into it. Um, the descriptions are pretty consistent for the most part across the board. Um, and the feeling is very consistent across the board. As I mentioned earlier in the show, when people run into it, they'll say it's evil. It's absolutely oh, God, evil. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, is, is it an entity or is it something physical? Because everyone I talk to, to as well, here's the other part that throws me off, is everyone I talk to says it's a physical creature. It's an upright running around dog. And and when I first heard about it, I, I kind of brushed it off because uh, I was like, I, I don't know about that. I mean, a dog upright running around, that makes no sense. Um, but when you really start talking to people, you find out really quick, yeah, that's exactly what they're seeing. Um, and it, you know, it, it amazes me they say it's evil. It makes me think, well, is this some sort of materialized evil entity people are running into? Because it seems very unnatural, don't you think, for a dog to be upright running around? Yet people see it all the time. Thing, this thing was not of this earth. There is no way. There's just no way. And I didn't see anything but its face. You know, it was it was for whatever reason, maybe I just didn't look down, you know, I'm sure his chest was in the, in the window too, but I was so transfixed on his eyes and his face that I didn't, I didn't notice anything, you know, regarding his body. So, but. What did you feel when he looked into And and again, I don't know about Bigfoot. I, I believe Bigfoot exists, but he's got a lot of questions of his own. So, uh, but this thing, there's no way it's natural. The thing that I saw, there's, it's just impossible that it grew up and had a mother and had, there's just no way. This what, thing was. Well, let me ask you, why do you say, Mike, why do you say that? What's your own gut feeling? I just, you know, I'm not a religious person at all. Not really. And, but if a demon ever existed, then I saw it. I mean, if, if such a thing exists, if there's something like that out there, then it paid me a visit that night. So I, I don't know what else to call it. I thought for the longest time it was, you know, tied into the haunting of my bedroom. So much crap had happened in there that, that you know, I'm like, well, this was, you know, it's climax. You know, it's the last draw, the manifestation of the, of the woman uh, that took the form of a dog. You know, whatever. I couldn't ever put the two together. It just never fit right. You know, this thing at my window and, and uh, you know, the, the ghost in my room. They just never really meshed. But, uh, and, you know, and then I found Dogman on the Internet. And I'm like, hey, you know, that's exactly what I saw. Now, I don't know if they're drawn to... I don't know if there's something supernatural going on. If there's a ghost in my bedroom, is that a dimension that the dog man noticed? I mean, you tell me, I I don't really know. Um, Yeah, It's hard to say. And I've always thought um, I've never said it publicly on the shows, but I've always thought there's something else going on with dog man. I've honestly have always thought because it always turned me off when I talked to witnesses and they would say it was evil. 
what I saw was oh, evil. God, yeah. What that was the that was evil. What I saw, and you don't hear necessarily people say that with Bigfoot. They don't necessarily come out and say, "Well, that was evil." With the dog man, I'm telling you, man, almost everyone I've talked to said it was evil, and and so I'm like, I, I don't know. But then in the same breath, you talk to them. And it seems to be like a physical creature people are seeing, very much physical, not a spiritual, not like a ghost in a graveyard or anything like that, very much physical. And so maybe the, all this stuff is tied together closer than most people realize. You know, and yeah, maybe that's why there is such a cover-up. Sure, funny how a dog man shows up in the middle of a haunting. Um, I you guess know, and I got something to say. You, you can put this on the show or you can leave it off the show, but, but there is something that that I want to bring to your attention. Say that the whole heaven and hell thing is real. God, the devil, the battle in heaven, and all that is real. Okay? That means that demons, at this point, are living under God's rules. There are rules they have to follow. I believe that. If they don't follow those rules, the war breaks out again. Now, what is the next war? It's, it's It's the second coming. So what if the demons are pushing themselves, pushing God's buttons? You see more and more Bigfoot sightings. You know, this dog man thing surfaced out of nowhere. Five years ago, you never even heard of it. And now here it is. I'm seeing gnomes and rakes in my backyard. Okay? Well, I didn't see the rake. My wife did. But (laughs) all of this stuff seems to be expanding. As if, I mean, if you think about it, if, if there's going to be a war, somebody's got to cross the line first. So, yeah, and I, and I've always, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know about the war part, but I agree with you on I think there's a cer- certain set of rules that you have to follow um, in order to run into some of the stuff. For example, while your situation is a little bit different, so forgive me for what I'm about to say, but, you know, you play with a Ouija board and you're going to find out real quick demons are real. You just are. Uh, you're you're playing right. with something you shouldn't be playing with. Fire. Yeah, you're playing with fire. Absolutely. And I think right. a lot of times, you know, and who knows with regard to the dogman, if it's a part of this. I've just as little as I've followed it. Um, I believe everyone that's run into it, and I just find it a little odd. Everyone says it's evil. It's pure evil. What they ran into was even. I even had a hunter one time. A guy was in his late sixties. I just talked to him probably a month or month and a half ago, and he ran into a dog man. And he didn't believe in any of this stuff. He didn't believe in Bigfoot. He didn't believe in dog man. And he was doing a call, and this thing came running down. And it's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. He he made eye contact with this thing, and it was looking at him, and he was debating whether to shoot it or not, and it took off running on two legs. And I asked him, I said, well, what is your feeling on that creature? He goes, evil. It was evil, Wes. It wasn't of God. It was There's something wrong with it. And I don't know that you would say that about a cougar, or let's say you never saw an ape, and then you saw an ape for the first time in your life. I don't know that you would describe it as evil. Or a chimpanzee. I don't know that you would describe it as evil. Um, but to see this thing and to describe it as evil, uh, which a lot of people do, makes me kind of wonder, well, what is this thing? What is it people are saying? You know, the a- ancient um, Sumerians and Egyptians used to see something very similar to this. Um, they called it a Dude, Anub- I know. I looked into that. Yeah, if you look it up, that's and, exactly what they're saying. They actually, they worshipped it 
they worshipped it. Yeah. But they, they, they also, and they lived alongside with it, too, is the thing. Yeah, and that's it, the other thing, seems, too. You know, that... You're right. That, and uh, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to cut you off, but you're right. If you read the Sumerian text, they saw this thing, and they lived right next to it, and they knew it very well. And same with the Egyptians. Um, in the early Egyptian writing, they talk about it. They lived right next to this thing. So what the hell is this thing? You know what I mean? I did, I, I wonder if that's the same thing. I've, I've, you know, I've looked into the, wow, that's really frightening. You know, they found a hidden chamber. Uh, I read about it this morning, actually, um, in the Great Pyramid. They found it using some sort of new electron microscope or electron sensor device that they came up with, and they scanned it. And there's a hundred-foot chamber that's never been opened inside the Great Pyramid. It's right above the, the Grand Gallery. Yeah, it doesn't shock me one bit. Yeah, I know. So, But I just, you know, all this stuff seems to be coming out at the same time. It's yeah. just weird. It is weird. It is weird. And it's it's interesting how it correlates to what was going on at the home at that time. Because there's a lot of people I've had on the show where they talked about uh, running into strange things. And it's sure funny how some of this other paranormal stuff gets mentioned when they run into it. And, you know, I don't know if there's a correlation there. Uh, but, you you know, one comment you made earlier, Mike, is you're right. You know, uh, five, six years ago, no one ever talked about the dog man. But there's a lot of reports right. of it now. Um, and even and then a lot more Sasquatch reports, too. And I know you know that. Yeah, a lot more. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's an escalation. It's an escalation of activity. For whatever reason, something is going on. No, I tend to agree. So, Do you want to tell us about the um, uh, Gnome? Or was it Gnome? Gnome story? Yeah, the, you know, that was really weird. That was a super weird thing. And it's, it was a quick thing. Um, I, we were, I was in Kentucky. And uh, I had a house. It uh, had five acres, but, but the three back acres were woods. So I never even went back there. They were pretty thick. So, And we're talking uh, a few days away from the blood moon. Do you remember that? It happened yeah. a year or two ago. It wasn't very long ago. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so I go outside to have a cigarette. And my daughter, she's 13, no, 14 at the time. She comes out with me and my wife right behind her. So I've got a big patio and a two-car garage up on the, the hill, you know, maybe 100 feet from the house. And uh, so I walk over to the edge of the patio and out from behind the house, comes this little fella and you know maybe 15 inches tall and he's naked and he just is casually walking out across my yard right in front of my daughter and i and i'm poking her with my elbow and she's staring at it too you know and it noticed us you know it didn't really turn its head but it was like oh oh there's somebody here and then it took off in a sprint and it ran up by the garage on the right side of the garage, it was all foggy that day too. Um, fog in Kentucky, or not Kentucky, Tennessee. Fog in Tennessee is ridiculous. So yeah, we rented the house in Tennessee, then we moved to Kentucky. But anyway, so uh, he got up around where the, the the barn or the garage was, and I couldn't see him in the fog anymore. And that was that. And the whole time I'm like, Cheryl, it's my wife. Did you see that? Did you see that? And she's like, Yes, yes, I saw it. So we go back in the house and I'm kind of freaked out. My daughter's got a hold of me. She won't let go. So we go back in the house and 
my, uh, he had a pointed head, you know, it was really pointed. And as he was running away up the little hill toward my garage, it, it occurred to me, I'm like, well, no wonder everybody thinks they're wearing hats because of his head. So anyway, we go in the house and, and my daughter's like, what was that? What was that? What was that? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it was a gnome. And my wife's like, that's not what I saw. She was looking on the left side of the garage. And that's where apparently there was a rake standing there looking at her. She said it was low to the ground and it was all elbows sticking up. I I guess it turned and went back into the woods behind the garage. And that was that. I'll have to ask her the way that exactly went down. But she saw something completely different. While we were focused on the gnome on one side, she was getting stared down by this other thing on the other side. So (laughs) anyway, just maybe a month or so ago, she comes up to me with her phone and she says, this, this is the thing that I saw in the backyard. And it was the the rake. It was the picture of the rake. Um, One in particular, it's on YouTube or uh, Google. I found it on Google. Um, Same photo. So uh, don't ask me what that was or what that was about, but that's exactly the way that went down. He had light gray skin, naked as a jaybird, kind of a little pot belly and a pointed head. And he could make good tracks when he took, obviously, the bottoms of his little feet as he ran up the hill. (laughs) Strange. Do you think it was paranormal? It was was really weird. Or do you think it was physical? Dude, uh, I don't know. I mean, you could hear his little footfalls. It had to be physical. So, you know, in the grass. But what was that about? I have no idea. That was probably the most bizarre thing I've ever put my eyes on. Even with the dog story, this thing was just twisted. It, it for whatever reason, didn't belong there. <laughs> yeah, it's so. interesting. You hear a lot of uh, Native Americans talk about the little people. And sometimes it depends on the tribe you talk to, but sometimes they'll describe them as being, you know, 16 inches tall. Sometimes they'll describe them as being almost four feet tall. And I don't really know huh. if there's a difference between the two or what. Depends on the tribe you talk to, but they talk about these things all the time. That's interesting that you that you saw it. I don't know if I'd be buying a gun or calling a priest, but um, I didn't either. I you know I wasn't even scared of it. It was just it was kind of cute. Yeah. To, to be honest with you, it was weird and strange and bizarre, but but not threatening at all. It was scared to death as soon as it realized we were staring it down. You know, it was like oh god. And he took off running. <laughs> but, you know, he didn't go back the way he came. He went into the woods, you know, over by behind my garage. So and once again, if I had seen what my wife was looking at, it would have been a completely different story. I mean, I would have lost it. But yeah, and I don't know. What I didn't think. feel threatened at all. You know, what's interesting is you hear people talk about this rake thing. And I've had two people on that have talked about it. Um, and I don't really know what to think about it because everyone I talk to, it seems like it's a physical creature people are seeing, but it's so odd and so strange. And, you know, God, it'd be so nice to have the answers to all of this, you know, and I hope it's not all tied to um, the paranormal. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just yeah, hope it's I mean, not. I, I have a feeling it is, this, but I hope it's this not. This world exists in, in, in so many different places, apparently. I mean... I've heard you talk about it before and Ron Moorhead, you know, quantum physics and all that. 
it numbs my brain to think about this sort of thing, but that doesn't make it any less real. So, you know, I, I almost believe that these things are all around us all the time, and we just occasionally notice. Yeah. Maybe that's what's going on. So I, I really don't know. Uh, inter, interdimensional, I don't know, mumbo jumbo, it's really hard to wrap your head around. So, yeah, it is. It you is. Know, but, it is. but again, I, I'm not going to say that it's, none of it's real, because if there's, if there's more, if there are, say, thousands of dimensions right here among us right now, then who's to say what's possible? You could be right. It's hard to say. I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, that people run into in the part that, uh, you know, like with the dogman, I thought the dogman thing was nonsense for the longest time. I just thought it was complete nonsense. Um, and it wasn't. Yeah, I think I've heard you say that before. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't until I really started talking to eyewitnesses that I started realizing really quick, it's not nonsense. They've seen something. And, you know, there's a guy. Dude, I definitely saw something. No, no, and I, and I believe that you did. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, like um, what changed it for me was talking to a guy in California that saw a dog man. Then I talked to someone in Texas who doesn't know the guy in California who describes the exact same thing. And it's very close to what you're describing with the um, German Shepherd type head. But then you talk yeah. to someone in Pennsylvania that's seen it. Then you talk to someone in Florida who's seen it. And you come to the conclusion, I used to think, well, they're seeing a Sasquatch and they're misidentifying it. And the more witnesses you talk to, the more the more you start to realize really quick they're not misidentifying anything. They saw something, and uh, not only did this person see it, but that person saw it. This person saw it, and all of a sudden, you know, like a house of cards, it starts falling, and everyone's describing the same thing. And so, I don't know what the dogman is. I really don't. Um, I just find it fascinating. A lot of people think it's evil. And that's the impression they get off of it is it's evil. You won't find that with a lot of Bigfoot encounters. I mean, you will from time to time. But for the most part, when people have encounters with Bigfoot, they don't say it's evil. Again, on occasions they right. do. but Angry, maybe. I, yeah, I hear a lot of that. but Angry or mad or they felt like they were going to be killed. or um, There is rare occasions where people will say it was evil. But with the Dogman, almost everyone I've talked to across the board will all agree this thing's evil, which is concerning. Well, what do you think? Based on my description of what I saw, is that fitting in with what other dogman descriptions look like? Yeah. I mean, yeah. was mine unusual? No, not was, at all. Was, was mine a manifestation of a ghost, a demon, or was, I mean, what was it? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and that's a real question, though, right? That's the real question to ask. Um, because what you're describing is what everyone else describes. And I've, the people wow. that have seen the teeth will say it was a mouthful of canines. Everything in this thing's mouth was canines. And a lot of people yeah. will describe this evil grin that it does. And if you think about your dog, I guess your dog does smile. My dog smiles from from time to time. But I wouldn't say it's grinning. Well, you know, when a dog grinning. bears his teeth, it's a threat in most cases. But but every now and then, my shepherd, Bandit, but anyway... You know, he'd yawn, you know, that great big dog yawn. And when he'd do that, he'd pull his teeth back, and, and then his mouth would make that shape. You know, it would make that shape of the smile. And it was it's just every now and then he would do it, and I'd look, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I remember that. You know, I just, oh, it was terrible. So in his eyes, the same way. 
Yeah, it's disturbing, man, and it's a disturbing encounter, especially with some of the uh, the ghost stuff going on, you know, and then the dog man on top of that. But I really appreciate you coming on, Mike, and sharing it. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it was a difficult story to tell, but I'm glad I told you. No, thank you again. Oh, you're welcome. And next up on the show, I want to welcome Jeff. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Hey, no problem. I appreciate you giving me this experience, this opportunity. No, man, I appreciate you being here very much. And uh, I was interested, when I was reading your email, um, your grandfather had passed away and you started going through his diaries. Um, And what made you go through them? You know, it's it's one of those things. He's he's got four kids. My mother, his daughter, and then he's got a son and two other daughters. His son, his name was Craig, and he just passed away last December, uh, complications from cancer. And as at that time, we started going through some things and blowing the dust off the others. And I come across this, this book, and it was kind of related to my uncle. His name was Craig. Um, his father was Jack. So I, I found this book and decided to start flipping through the pages and get to know my uncle's father, which is my grandpa, a little bit more. So that's kind of what started it. And your grandfather was born in 1926. He passed away in 2003. Um, what did you find when he started reading his diary? Uh, as soon as I started reading his diary, it seemed like it was very interesting. There's kind of bits and pieces here and there about life on the farm and how life was on horseback, um, raising and herding cattle and things like that. Um, how the neighbors were, how he was, his parents, um, what they expected out of him as a, a young boy. Um, and so there's a few comical passages there. Um, and, and as I turn the pages, a, you know, I, I come across this encounter that I emailed you about. Um, most of the journal, I would say about 75 to 80% of it, um, I guess the first quarter of it is him as a young young lad growing up into his teenagers right before he went into the Navy. And then as soon as he went into the Navy, I'd say about that's the rest of the book. And he never got an opportunity to, to get back to, to finishing this journal or finishing this biography, I guess. So I, like I said, 80% of it is probably his life in the Navy. And then the other 20% was prior to the Navy. No, I understand. And so give us a part where he had the encounter, if you would. This encounter, let me give you a preface real quick. This is something that nobody, you know, I've talked to all of his siblings, my mom, um, even some of the grandchildren, um, relatives, whatnot. And nobody has heard about this encounter. This is something that he's kind of kept to himself for some reason, um, which is bizarre because he, he often shared that other encounter with the, the owls, which I thought was fascinating in and of itself, but he never shared this encounter with what we think was with the Sasquatch. Um, the encounter is basically, for those that haven't r- read it or, or heard about it, do you want me to read it verbatim or do you just want kind of like a cliff notes? Or? Yeah, if you would, go and read it to us. Okay. The passage starts out, it says, uh, this this entry took place when he was a young teenager in about the 1940s, and I'll just read it verbatim. He says, I saw some strange things in my youth, and some of them I have never been certain of what it was all about. I was bringing the cows in from the pasture one evening at near dark, the time of day when everything was silhouetted. 
we lived on the state place at the time. This is in St. Anthony, Idaho. I had the cows bunched and ready to push them across the canal, which was nearly full of water at the time. The cows had to swim to get across. I looked down into the pasture at the opposite direction from where I had gathered the cows, and as I did so, I got a cold, chilly feeling, a feeling so intense, I don't have the vocabulary or words to describe it. All I can share is that there was an immediate trepidation that took place in my body. As I looked out over the pasture, maybe six or 700 feet away, I saw something standing by a young sapling, an animal which looked like an enormous bear standing on its hind feet. The cows never seemed to be too disturbed, so I thought that maybe this sight was a direct result of an act of imagination. I thought perhaps that my mind was playing tricks on me. I told my dad about it, but he didn't seem too concerned either. So I proceeded to tell Baker, which was a dear friend of mine. He agreed to walk to the spot where I had seen the apparition the following morning. After our morning chores had been accomplished, and after we drove the cows back to the pasture, we walked our way over to that young sapling. Using the sapling as a reference, it was fairly easy to determine this creature's size within a few inches or so. Using Baker's height, it was evident that it was about two of him. We added the difference and could determine that this beast was between eight and a half and nine feet tall. Also, there had been a rainstorm the day before I witnessed this strange sight, and the ground around the tree was wet and muddy. Below this tree, there was an area about two feet square. There in the mud was the largest looking footprint either one of us had ever seen. We placed our feet into the depression in that muddy ground and marveled about how small our feet with shoes on were in comparison to the footprint that had laid before us. It was Baker's feeling that it must have been bare. He was happy that no harm had befallen me the previous night when I thought I had seen that enormous creature standing on its hind feet for an extended period of time. As we went back, we had to cross a bridge that hovered over the canal Kauai. We were overwhelmed by a terrible odor, and our noses led us to the spot where it looked like some animal or beast with nest-making capabilities had built up a bed of dry sticks. We could only conclude that this structure was made to act as a bed for some animal to sleep on during the night. At that location, the odor was even stronger, much more pungent and repulsive than anything I could imagine. We vaguely wondered what it could have been. We pursued this mystery no further. Neither of us did see anything like what I had seen that one time, so I suppose Baker forgot it entirely, something that I've never been able to do. And so that was the encounter that, that he had written about the Sasquatch. Yeah, and it's you in know, a, it, or go ahead. It, it leaves so many que- I was just going to say, it leaves so many questions. You know, there's a lot of answers that are just hanging out there that we're not going to be able to obtain, unfortunately. And uh, I wish I wish there was a resource or somebody we could talk to that knew more about this. Unfortunately, Baker's nowhere, um, no longer with us either. And uh, a few of the other people that would have information, or maybe he didn't even tell anybody, I don't know, but people that would have information are probably of the generation that's not with us long, any longer as well. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that, you know, your grandfather sounds like he grew up on a farm, and so he would have seen bears. I mean, he would have known what a bear was. And for him to actually take time to write this in a journal uh, makes you wonder what he saw. You know, it sounds like a Sasquatch is what he was looking at. And and the way he describes it, it sounds very much like a Sasquatch. You know, he even went to his dad and said, hey, I saw this, and his dad just kind of blew it off. 
But, you know, if it, I get the impression after, and I've read the emails several times, I get the impression from your grandfather, if it would have been a bear, he would have said it was a bear. Or he would have said it would oh, look, look like a strange, odd-looking bear or something to that effect, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Living on the farm and being raised with that lifestyle, you know, actively on horseback in the mountains most of his youth, he would have encountered all walks of wildlife, you know, and I'm 100% certain he knows exactly what a bear is. He knows, he could he could tell you more about these animals that, that live in the mountains than, you know, than I could. I wanted to ask you before we get to the next journal entry, you mentioned owls. What's the, What was the story with the owls? Yeah, that, that's actually his the next journal entry, and that's that's the one that he felt more comfortable sharing with with people. Um, unfortunately, he didn't share much more than what he had written. You know, I asked my mom, which is his daughter, and and some of my my brothers and other people, what they remember about his his encounter with these owls and it, it kind of varies from person to person, but it's vaguely the same thing. You know, some people say uh, they remember for some reason that the creatures were Brown where, where that reference was never made in the entry. He never made a reference to any color. Um, some, somebody said that they thought that the owls were about two or three feet tall where he had uh, suggested they were four or five feet tall, but they all were owls. And they were, he was pretty specific, and he's pretty, um, pretty sure that these were owls. If you would read well, a, read us a journal entry for the audience. And this wasn't too much longer after this uh, this first encounter with what we believe is a Sasquatch. Again, verbatim. On another occasion, at another plot of acreage on the same farm, I was riding one of the horses out in the pasture land of sorts. The soil there wasn't very productive at the time. So even the grasses were dwarfed in size. I looked to my right, and there stood two of the darndest critters I'd ever laid my eyes on. I thought at the time they were owls between four and five feet tall. They had owl-like noses and owl-like enormous eyes and sockets. I rode my horse toward them, but as they never moved from their position, I become frightened and turned the horse away. I got off the horse and faced them. They looking south toward me. I was looking north toward them. I took a step toward them, and they took a step in my direction and stopped. I took two steps toward them, only to have them take two more steps towards me in my direction. I thought if there are birds, then I can frighten them into flight by shouting and throwing my arms and hands about over my head and in the air. When I did this, they looked at each other as if they were communicating some message. I had the distinct feeling it was me who was the one being discussed. They had a look of wonderment in their eyes but didn't move or budge from the spot. I took one more little step, an attempt to ease my troubled mind, and in unison, they both took another step toward me. By this time, I was more frightened than before. I could tell by their determination that the distance between us was only going to get shorter. So I took one giant step backwards to create some more distance between us and to prevent an experience of the worst kind. This time, they remained where they stood, so I knew they weren't there for the dance. I got back on my horse and rode circles around them. They kept a keen eye on my whereabouts as I rode circles, and they would follow using the same roundup method. I got off the horse and again flubbed my hands and arms. I even looked for a rock or two that I could throw, but found none. All the time, they just stood there watching, fascinated at what I was doing. Finally, I decided this needs the attention of a gun. 
So I rode to the house and grabbed the 22 along with some bullets and headed back to where I had left them. I figured I could shoot up the turf around them and see how good something that big was of being able to fly. When I returned, there wasn't a trace of the whatevers they were. Perhaps someday I will know, or perhaps maybe I'll never will. I went home that night and asked Dad if he had ever seen owls four to five feet tall. He looked at me like I had really flipped and told me no. I told him about what I'd seen that day on a portion of his farm and thought it was owls. He just laughed, I suppose thinking his youngest son was some kind of crackpot. I don't know what I saw on either occasion. All I know is that I did witness and encounter both creatures. I told another friend of mine about it many years later, and he said, Come on, Jack, you aren't for real. I'm only adding these incidents in here in hopes that at some time, some of you may be able to sort out the mystery and come to find out what, I, what it was that I'd witnessed. I can assure you, as sure as you're reading these entries, knowing that what I have shared is the truth and everything else concerning it. That's fascinating. I, I wonder about the second encounter. You know, the first one we can kind of agree on, it's a Sasquatch. But that second right. encounter is very strange. I wonder why he said owls, just because of the eyes? You know, owls don't take steps near towards you either. You know, they're in trees for the most part. Well, and you would think uh, any bird creature would be easy to frighten, I would I would imagine. You know, at least to spook enough to get a, a wing flare up or, you know, something like that. But I don't know. Yeah, and the yeah. fact that they took two steps towards him. Did you ever talk to your mom and see if, she, if her dad ever talked about this? Yeah, I spoke to her, her tonight after I uh, got off the phone with you earlier today, and I asked her, you know, I, I just presented her. I said, so what do you remember about these owls that Grandpa used to always talk to us about? And she said, you know, it's it's kind of almost exactly like what he would have uh, written or wrote in his journal. You know, I remember him saying that there were, there were two owls there in the mountains, and um, I remember them being about two or three feet tall. And I said, do you remember, you know, what color they were or, you know, if this is the only time he witnessed these? And, he's, and she says, no, he was, he was pretty particular and he was pretty consistent with the story that he'd shared. And, and for the most part, there were just two owls. Um, the things that kind of separated them from in, uh, another animal is how deep the eye sockets were, how big the eyes were. And there, that's, that's the other thing is there's really not... <laughs> He's not around anymore to ask these kind of detailed questions, you know, get more information. And it's unfortunate that this story that he shared with everybody about the owls, you know, at least his posterity is consistent, but it's vague. Yeah, it is. It's very vague. But, you know, in the same breath, if you think about just from his journal entry, he wanted to go up and get a gun and come back and... Uh, startle them or shoot them or it bothered him enough to go get a gun i think if it would have been two owls i i I don't know that a guy would have taken the time to come back and blast them or come back with a gun to see if they flew off or it must have really impacted him enough to for him to go up and get a gun and come back it makes me wonder too why he said owls i wonder if it was just the eyes he was seeing these big eyes that reminded him of an owl or um, I know you can't answer it. I'm just talking out loud. It's very fascinating. I mean, even to take the time to write it down is fascinating to me. It makes me wonder what he saw. Absolutely. One of the things that I often wonder is he 
he was pretty specific with the amount of feet that was between him and what we think is a Sasquatch in that first encounter. But he knew, he made no references to a distance between him and these owls. Um, so I don't know. Does that mean that they were close enough to uh, be able to weed out any, any, any other animal or were they at a distance to where they kind of look like an owl, but maybe they were, a, I don't know, a young Sasquatch or maybe they were something else. And that's just the first thing to come to mind. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. And did he write this before he went off to war? I would imagine it was World War II. Um, did he write all this? All this happened before he went into the Navy. You said. Correct. All of this. Um, these like it started out as kind of a journal, something that he would write. You know, pretty much on a daily. He had a, a pretty specific routine, and. It wasn't until after the Navy and after he had retired that he started accumulating all of these entries and all these notes and things and kind of making a more of a, a biography, I guess, easier to read, kind of, you know, um, something for the posterity and his grandchildren and whatnot to get a better understanding of what life was like in the early 1900s. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, and you know, with his first encounter, too. Um, how he had the presence of mind to say, well, it must have been eight and eight and a half feet. What does the family think about this? I mean, what does your mom think? My, uh, the, the family's kind of split. You know, the family, there's a lot of us that are, that, that remain to be open-minded and, and believe that the, the possibility of something like this happening is very possible. And the other the other half, I would say, kind of question and, and do what you would expect. They kind of laugh it off or, you know, and the question, I guess, what type of person he was, was he drinking at a young age or was he experimenting with other things? And, and this, this, this couldn't be further from the truth. He's probably one of the most spiritual guys um, that I know. He was, he was always share um, spiritual encounters and, and, and things with people. And that's the first thing that, that upon meeting him, you would probably recognize is how honest and personable and spiritual he is. So for him to experiment, or he's never, you know, drank a drink in his life or experimented with anything, um, and I'm I'm certain of that. It's it's hard to say yes without a doubt, but knowing who he was and being able to um, be in his presence, I could I would I would bet my next paycheck without a doubt that he's never tasted a drop of alcohol. So with, with that said, I, me and my mom after talking, she's she's. Ex- um, surprised about the second encounter, the one with the, or not the second, the first one with the Sasquatch, because like I said, nobody had even heard about that one. But the owls, it's just kind of the same story, you know, um, heard it before, nothing new. If there was somebody that we could get more answers from, that would be great. Um, she's all about it. She doesn't know what, just like me, a lot of us don't know. What does that represent? What does that mean? Is there something behind it? These are just things that, that we'll never know now, but it's fascinating to know that at least there's an encounter, you know, and, and we can go from there and we can kind of all, I guess, educated guesses or assume what they meant, or maybe, you know, upon further, further reading, discover something else and kind of connect the two. I don't know. I always throw out the, the drinking argument. You know, I can drink with the best of them. I've, I've sat and drank with the best of them. Um, and I've never had delusions of seeing strange creatures. And so even if someone is drinking, I, you know, it's kind of a or you know weed or a bunch of other things i guess besides mushrooms um you don't really have delusions of seeing 
strange creatures. And your grandfather's writings are very sober, very direct, very uh, clear. Uh, it's not the writings of a madman. Actually, your grandfather was a pretty good, pretty good at writing, to be honest with you. Um, and and to read his his encounters, God, what I wouldn't give to sit down and talk with him and just go walk me through this. You know what I mean? I would love to sit right. down with him and go, what did you see? What did you, tell me about these owls? Um, and it might have been, you know, he'd been shut down his whole life. You know, his dad kind of laughed at him and brushed him off. He even made the comment in his writings, you know, my dad must think I'm a, he's got a crackpot son. So I don't blame him for not talking about it, but thank God he wrote it down. Um, does it change your out- outlook as far as, you know, what you, if you believe that they're out there or not? Or what are your, what are your feelings on it, Jeff? You know, I think it just... I, I don't know if I'd say confirmed because I haven't had my encounter, but I think it complements how I view them and what I think. You know, there's a there's a handful of people that I uh, trust with my life that that are firm believers and have had encounters. And to go off of their, you know, their encounters and what they've witnessed, I, I almost feel like I've, I've got to believe, you know, to a certain extent. So it, I... I still have questions. I think just like anybody else. And to say that I want to see one, I, I don't know if I would even say that, but I think it's getting to the point where these are going to start coming out more and pe- more and more people are going to start having, having their own encounters. And with the amount of time I'm up in the mountains fishing or, or hiking, I think I, I might be one of those people. I don't know. We have some property down in uh, southern Utah, down between uh, Monroe and the Tusher Mountains, and we've come across some interesting things down there as far as footprints. You know, we've we've come across two footprints down there on our property. We've got about 100 acres down there, and about 17 inches in size, about four or five inches in length, and you can see, you can count the toes, you can see the padded toes, and then you can see the pad right below the toes and then you can see the hill so you can see kind of three distinct impressions on both of these these prints they're at two different times one was in kind of a a spongy ground and so it's kind of half of the print and the other one was very what you could have easily gotten a cast out of this other one but it was that that's the only thing it could be you know i mean well i don't know what else it could be and then listening to all these stories that i hear from your your platform it's it's consistent and i don't know what else it could be there's not anybody else that has property you know there's there's two other people that have property on that mountain before they were able to close it down for uh i don't know what they closed it down for but nobody else can get anything on that mountain so it's first it's it's not accessible by anybody else other than the people that own that property and the people that own that property are hundreds of acres away from where we see these you know these prints and that's with fences and private property signs and stuff like that not to say that people you know don't always follow those signs and those, heed those warnings but i i don't know i think i it's just another thing that complements and confirms that my suspicion yeah it is and and that's a property you said that you've found those prints on it's a property yeah, you own yeah, it's a family property. I got you. And it's different from this one. The, the one you're talking about is in Utah. Right. Yeah, these are two different places. The, the encounters, the journal entries were of my grandfather. Those were in Idaho, St. Anthony, Idaho. And these the prints that are that we've seen that I've witnessed with my mother are in Utah, in southern Utah, 
um, down by Marysville, Richfield area, down by the Big Rock Candy Mountains. And they're uh, just off of the Paiute Trail, over kind of by Beaver Creek and the Severe River. And so it's, it's yeah, very possible that these creatures live up there. I, I don't see why they couldn't. Yeah, please be careful when you go back to that property. Um, going back to the owls, it almost makes you wonder if maybe your grandfather was getting dark and he saw two young ones kind of watching him. You know, they got they all kind of have the big eyes. And he right. thought it was owls. You know, it's hard to say. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing it because it's so cool to read someone's journal entries. And I wish your grandfather was still around um, to talk about it because... Uh, he obviously saw something, and if he didn't, he wouldn't have bothered writing it, writing it down. You know what I mean? You know, all I can do is cross my fingers and hope I come across another entry, or maybe another another book that kind of complements the first book, and maybe it will have some answers there, or maybe there's some distant relatives that have some information. I don't know. I, I hope I come across something down the road, though. Yeah, well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing it. No, I appreciate the opportunity. I enjoy uh, everything that you've done, and I look forward to listening to more encounters. Thanks, Jeff. And that's it for tonight, everyone. Remember, if you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. I'll see the members back on Sunday. Everyone else, I'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you.